From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales. I'm Adam Schick. Summer tends to be quiet around Gainesville, but this past week has provided a ton of stories both on and off the field, including Gator baseball punching their ticket to Omaha, track and field bringing home another national title, and the surprising retirement of athletic director Jeremy Foley. Let's start by hearing from one of the guys who was in the middle of the dog pile on Monday night once the final out was recorded. After getting shut out by the Seminoles in Game 1 of Super Regionals, the odds were against Florida as the team that wins Game 1 advances 79% of the time. But the Gators proved resilient with back-to-back shutouts of their own, and we asked Red Hot Junior Pete Alonzo how it feels to be going back to the College World Series. It's an incredible feeling being able to uh, go to Omaha back-to-back years. It's, it's indescribable because that's, that's an uh, incredible accomplishment. And, uh, we've worked incredibly hard to, uh, to get to this point, and uh, it's awesome. It's, it's an extremely special group of guys we have, and we're going to make the most of this opportunity that we have to go win. There was a really good chance this wasn't going to happen, at least for a lot of people watching on Saturday after you guys got shut out. What did you see that was going on Saturday night that you were able to change on Sunday and then Monday? It wasn't really a, like a physical change. It was more like a, a mental change because it's really difficult to because we swept Florida State earlier in the year and we swept through them in the Supers last year. And it was kind of like a, it was more like a reality check because like we know, we know we hate them, we know we want to beat them, but like Florida State, like it's a rival, like they hate us too and they want to beat us just as bad. So that first game was uh, just more of like a reality check. I was like, all right, like we need to find that extra gear like within ourselves and, and stay locked in and just keep pounding away. Like, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that didn't go our way. First game, like there was a lot of balls hit hard. Uh, some of the calls didn't go our way uh, behind the plate, but I mean, there's nothing you can do. And then uh, I'm really proud of this team for, being able to fight back, lock in, and uh, do what we needed to do and stay locked in from the first to the ninth inning. Like, it was an incredible effort by, by everybody, and uh, that just makes it even more special because we were, we were down in the series, and, and we came back to win both elimination games and, and beat Florida State like you couldn't write a better script. Your home run was a big moment in Game 3, no question, but then J.J.'s grand slam really seemed to seal it. When you're standing on first base and, and watching that thing fly, what's going through your head? I knew it right off the bat. That thing was a laser. Sat on a, a slider and an offensive count, and he absolutely crushed it. Um, I'm just a little disappointed, though, because his went a little farther, but that's okay because <laughs> uh, it was a dagger for us. Then after, like, J.J. got the double, like, once the dagger was in, it was twisting around a little bit. So once they were down, getting that extra run there later on in the game, it helps us out a lot. You've had some difficult times over your career, and even recently when you broke your hand, and Mm -hmm. here you are sitting out toward the final stretch of your career. What did you do to get through that time, both mentally and physically? Mentally, it was just um, watching the games that we were playing. I didn't travel to LSU, and uh, I went to the SEC tournament, but I was in the stands. It's just watching the game, paying attention to details, um, just to keep me like uh, in a baseball set of mind. Because uh, like it's really easy to to have like an outside perspective and not really pay attention to the details. Um, just watch as like a fan. But um, I was still going through like each pitch. All right, what's he throwing here? Trying to pick like catcher signs like on TV or whatever, and then just like staying with it, trying to think along like with the coaches, like what they're doing, keep myself in the right in the right state of mind. Because like it's really difficult, uh, especially like when 
you're on the sidelines or at home, like to, to get comfortable and just be lackadaisical and not really be all mentally there because A, because you're hurt, and then B, uh, like you're not there like with your teammates, like kind of like help you there. So like the biggest like support for me was uh, my family and my girlfriend kind of like, like helping me through because like I thought it was my last game that after like my hand broke, like I, I was a mess, like I was pissed, I was sad. It was like a whirlwind of emotions. And then the next day when I got the x-ray, it's just like, all right, like, you're going to have a chance to play. You just need to do the rehab. You need to get better. And uh, swelling needs to go down. You need to do hand exercises. Like, whatever rehab I need to do, I did. It's just a combination of just having a great support system at home and having a great, great staff here that, that really helped me. With the number of setbacks that you've had in your career, how much tougher do you think that's made you as a player and more prepared for the challenges that could be ahead? It's definitely made me uh, tougher because going through uh, last year, it was awful. At one point, within a five-month span, I was on crutches two and a half months. And then uh, later on in the year, uh, breaking my nose, and then my first at-bat, I get to see first-rounder Carlton Fulmer at Vanderbilt. So that was extremely difficult to deal with, but like you have to really prepare yourself and just say you can do it and just will yourself to, to get the job done. You got the call that every baseball player hopes for last week from the Mets that you've been drafted <laughs> in the second round. What was your reaction when you got that phone call? It was a dream come true. A dream come true because every single moment I've had in my baseball career, I mean, I've been playing since I was like three years old. Like every single moment has contributed to that. That's all work. Like literally travel ball, high school, college, college summer league, like the Cape, Northwoods. Like every single little baseball moment I've had, like it's all, it's all coming together. I mean, it's just the beginning of uh, the professional career, but in order to get that started is just incredible. Like, I can't describe the feeling. But one thing, one little uh, side note is I was excited for Chris Oakey to get picked because if he got picked, I knew the Mets were going to pick me next. <laughs> I was uh, excited that he got picked because I knew I was going to the Mets. But it's an un- unreal feeling. Like, I, I cried because it was just one of the happiest days of my life. I hope this answer isn't different than it would have been a week ago, but uh-huh. growing up, who is your favorite team? Oh, it was the, it was the Rays. Um, I'm a Tampa boy, and uh, growing up, I was wa- uh, watching uh, Evan Longoria, B.J. Upton, Carl Crawford, Carlos Pena. My favorite uh, Tampa Bay Rays season is the is the 08 postseason run. It was incredible, and uh, I remember going to Game Two with my dad uh, against the Boston Red Sox. Like I remember us winning, and that was an incredible year. And uh, like growing up watching, or Wade Boggs being a hometown guy, Rocco Baudelli, just being a hometown guy. Like I mean, I've always, I've always rooted for the Rays, but go Mets now. As you prepare to go out to Omaha, there's a lot of teams out there for the first time or Mm -hmm. with very little experience. How important is it going to be for this team that you have that Omaha experience from last year? Well, we, we know what to expect. Um, we know what to expect from the crowd. A lot of us, we've played in the park, uh, pitchers pitched off the mound. We've seen the backdrop before. Um, I know we got uh, some freshman bats in the lineup, but, I mean, that's a really, like, fun park to hit at because the batter's eye is outstanding. So, like, the, the only thing is just getting used to the backdrop and getting used to, for the young guys, just getting used to the stadium buzz. Like, the crowd may not be making noise, but there's just this buzz that fills the whole place. But first time being there, like, that's, that's obviously going to be a factor, like, for those guys. But... Uh, for the older guys, uh, like being there, everyone was new last year. But this year, it's like we can help out the, the younger guys or the young pups a little bit more because there's a lot of guys that have been there. We know what to expect and whatever problems they're dealing with, we dealt with them and we can offer any advice or, or pointers we can we can give them to help them through it and get over it quicker, and which will ultimately help us. If you keep winning out there, you have a lot of downtime in Omaha, a lot of time mm-hmm. to yourself. 
What did you do with all that downtime last year, and what do you hope to do with it this year? Well, last year I had pneumonia when I was in <laughs> Omaha, so that sucked. But for the most time, it was just walk around, like, old marketplace, uh, go catch a game, uh, just watch it as, like, a fan, and, I don't know, be a part of the great atmosphere, go down to the fan fest, uh, like, see kind of, like, the vendors, uh, walk around the city. There's a lot of cool places to eat. I know last year we didn't really get a chance to go to the zoo or, like, where the old Rosenblatt is, where they have, like, the foul poles and the home plate. But um, we didn't have, like, a consecutive off day, so we had, like, game off day game so like we didn't have enough time so we just practiced but hopefully this year uh, we'll have time to go to the zoo and see like uh, where the old Rosenblatt is and or was um, but really it's just uh, taking all the sights in and downtown going to games like seeing who wins and who loses and kind of like figure out like who we're playing getting merchandise uh, from the vendors and stuff because uh, they got a bunch of cool t-shirts so it's just I mean just enjoying the tournament and, and the festivities pretty much. A lot of people are expecting this team to go out there and win. You're the heavy favorite, so I'll ask you to complete this statement. The Gators will win the national title if? I mean, if we just play like we're capable of, or if we, we just need to play sound baseball. Um, I mean, it's a big park. we got some guys, including myself, that can run the ball out of the yard, but that's not going to be 100% of our game. Mostly it's just going to be like playing clean baseball, not making uh, mental mistakes and just playing clean and throwing a lot of strikes. While Gator Nation eagerly awaited the deciding game of Super Regionals, an unexpected news flash took over the headlines on Monday morning when it was announced that Jeremy Foley would be retiring, effective on October 1st. Scott Carter was one of the first people to hear the news during a sit-down with the longtime AD, and we asked him what he thought when he heard the news. Well, I was surprised like everyone else uh, initially, Adam. Uh, you know, he's been here 25 years, but if you know Jeremy and you see him around uh, the building or around campus, I mean, he's still a high-energy guy, keeps in great shape, and that you can tell he really loves his job. But, you know, like he said, everything comes to an end, and, you know, the first question I asked him when we did an interview, uh, you know, why now? Everybody's going to want to know why now. And, I mean, he just laid it out there in, in kind of human terms. I mean, he's been doing this for a long time. He's been thinking about this decision for a long time. He said he's lost many hours of sleep, something that would you know, wake him up in the middle of the night and he would uh, stay up for a while, uh, kicking it around in his head. But he just felt like when you look at the big picture, where the program and the department is as a whole, you know, the UAA, the organization that kind of runs the athletic program, it's in good shape financially. They've got some facility projects underway and there's more to come. Uh, then you look at the athletic programs, they probably have their strongest group of coaches perhaps, you know, in their history. The programs are winning. You know, it's it's good time right now for the Florida Gators. Uh, you know, when you wrap it up, I mean, a lot of people don't get the chance to go out on top, and he even addressed that. He said, you know, a lot of times when you step down or when there's transition in an organization such as this, there's something that's uh, messy or, you know, it, it makes it difficult for a smooth transition. He feels like right now is a great time for whoever inherits that job next. It's a good time. It can be a smooth transition because of the position that the uh, UAA and the athletic department is in right now. It's been a tumultuous time across college athletics. We see programs left and right getting into scandals, dealing with significant problems, NCAA sanctions. How big a part of Jeremy Foley's legacy is it that in 25 years, not a single one of the programs here at Florida ever even went on probation? 
You know, that's a huge part of it. To me, I look at his legacy, if you want to say it, it's kind of like two-pronged. The first, it's always important for him to run a clean program. And, you know, I've been to a lot of internal staff meetings where there's head coaches, there's administrative people, there's people who are trainers. Just they touch this place in some level. And there's not one of those meetings I've ever gone to where he hasn't said, look, do not forget, you know, you see something, you say something, we've got to uh, do things right here. And uh, remember that, you know, if if we don't, it affects this university in a negative way. And it all goes back, Adam, to when he first got here. You know, you got to remember back in the 80s when he was still climbing the ladder here. I mean, the University of Florida had a lot of issues with athletics. and There was programs on probation. There were championships lost. Uh, he recalled that 1984 SEC championship of football, you know, they get back from that win at Kentucky. The town's going crazy here in Gainesville. The stadium's full. People are excited. And a couple months later, it's taken away. And he says, well, what was that all about? You know, and I thought that was pretty telling. That's been a huge factor in the way he's operating in his position. And then second, you know, when you think about Gator Nation and Florida fans, you just automatically think of Jeremy. He's like the number one fan out there because, I mean, you've seen him enough. It could be at a softball game. It could be a basketball game, football, bowl game. Doesn't matter, lacrosse, tennis. I mean, he kind of he goes to those events. He roots and he wears his fandom on his sleeve. It's it's never a doubt who he's rooting for. To me, those are the two things I'm going to remember about him most: just the, the way he ran the organization as a leader, and also just uh, the passion he had for the teams here on campus. We've seen some high-profile coaching searches here in the last year or so, and now we're going to see one for an athletic director. So. For fans, what's what's the tangible impact of this? What's to be expected from this process? You know, I, I think the biggest thing probably since Jeremy has been here so long, uh, you know, there's a, maybe a sense of loss at first that, wow, Jeremy Foley's no longer the athletic director of Florida. That's going to take some time to get used to, just like when Steve Spurrier left or even when Billy Donovan left. I mean, those are kind of faces of the program, uh, key ones, and Jeremy's right there in that group. It took some time for uh, you know fans to kind of adjust and see that the program in a new light. And you know, Jeremy, his retirement's effective October the first, so you know he's still going to be around a few months, and then he's going to move into a emeritus uh, athletic director's position where he said it's important to get some facility projects that he's looked coaches in the eye and told them that they're going to get done. He says that's very important for him before he closes here to get that stuff moving forward. And, uh, you know, he will serve as a consultant, I think, during this athletic director search. It's not a hand-picked situation, uh, but, you know, UF President Kent Fox is going to have him as a consultant to lean on. And, you know, when a guy who has been around as long as he has and has the reputation that he has, that's a pretty good guy to uh, have in your corner when you're trying to find a new athletic director. But it will be, you know, a transition period for fans as it will be for Foley and you know everyone here at the UAA. A big part of Jeremy Foley's legacy is the national championships and certainly most fans know about football, know about basketball, but in total 27 national titles most recently last weekend track and field claiming the outdoor title. That was uh, the 27th national title for uh, Jeremy in his 25 seasons as athletic director. That's pretty impressive considering that when he took over UF's athletic department had won nine national titles in five sports. Hmm. 
Now, in his time, they've won 27 across 10 sports. And uh, it just shows you, again, the depth of the programs he's built here. You know, one thing that's very important to him is, you know, in fans' world, sure, football, men's basketball, those are what's the two most important. But in Jeremy's world, and I've seen it internally, I mean, he really does care as much as about how the lacrosse team does as the football team. And the, and he provides resources accordingly, and that adds up to a lot of uh, big wins and championships. And uh, for uh, Mike Holloway, and the men's track team, uh, they won one out in Oregon that came as a surprise somewhat. They uh, did not finish in the top five at the indoor meet. So they were kind of a long shot out in Oregon, but they peaked at the right time and uh, they brought it home and again, adding to uh, another title as Jeremy uh, leaves the uh, building here. One thing you'd like to have before he totally walks out the door is a baseball national championship. Florida doesn't have any of those as a program, and now they have maybe their best shot ever to do it, going out to Omaha as the number one seed in a field that sees a lot of teams make it that are not necessarily experienced in Omaha. Yeah, you know, going into the NCAA tournament or the Super Regional weekend, Adam, there were still seven SEC teams among the 16 teams still playing. Now they're down to eight, and Florida is the only SEC team. And you're right, this is a program that has been on the cusp of winning a national title for a long time, and I think they're going to be out in Omaha as the favorite, and it's really because of their pitching. We saw that in the uh, Super Regional win against Florida State. The Gators get shut out in Game 1, but in Game 2, Logan Shore had a great pitching performance, uh, shuts out Florida State. And then in the clinching Game 3, A.J. Puck is spotty as a starter. Florida State didn't score. Dane Dunning comes in, shuts him down, then Sean Anderson closes out. Just think about that for a second. You had A.J. Puck, the number 6 overall pick, start. He struggled. So Kevin O'Sullivan turns to his bullpen and brings out another first-rounder, Dane Dunning. I mean, that just kind of shows you the depth there, and that's why this team is going to be a favorite out in Omaha because of that pitching depth, and that's something that all year they've relied heavily on. This isn't as an offensively dangerous team as what Florida has had in the past in Omaha, but they are certainly capable, and a couple guys have been hot lately in the middle order with uh, Pete Alonzo and in the regional win against Florida State. Obviously, J.J. Schwartz's grand slam was the big hit. If those guys can stay hot and the pitchers can do what they've done all year, you know, it could be finally that first national title for a program that uh, Kevin Ho Sullivan has built into one of the best. I mean, this is their fifth trip to Omaha in nine seasons under him. Before he got here, they had five trips total, so that kind of shows you the impact that he's had on the program. If you play word association with an average person and say Omaha, their first response will probably be stakes. But if you play that same game with anyone from the world of college baseball, they'll immediately start thinking back on their own College World Series stories or feel the full weight of their own unrealized dreams. Jeff Cardozo has the unique perspective of both playing in and broadcasting the College World Series for the Gators, and we asked him what it means to be going back to the promised land. It's just the pinnacle of everything. You you start, and the only words that are mentioned are the words Omaha, and it's pretty special when you think about it in that context because every day you show up and, and you play and you certainly you try to win a league championship, but inevitably the, the destination is Omaha. So just the, those small, measly little words, and, and you hear the music from the old Counting Crows back in the day, and remember that echoed throughout the, the stadium back there in 1998 and to actually get there and, and see that place that you'd only seen on TV and the, the funky chairs of Rosenblatt, and then inevitably now what is uh, TD Ameritrade and that special ballpark. It's certainly 
certainly something in, in what they've done with college baseball now over the last really decade and maybe even more so to an extent five years. Just it, It's supported by so many different people. That town loves when the eight teams come to town. They, they welcome you. They get excited for good plays. And just to, to be a part of something like that is pretty special. What's changed about the event over the years? I mean, obviously the, the venue is new, but as far as the growth of college baseball and the growth of this particular event, what have you been able to see there firsthand? Yeah, I think certainly television has added more of a, a, a national scale to it and all the primetime games people are able to watch on TV. I, I don't know if it was ever bad. I got to go to Omaha as a player at Rosenblatt, and, and the atmosphere was always tremendous. There was people everywhere. They were rooting for you. Um, certainly some of the bigger fan bases that got there that made it a little bit more rowdy. But now now even at the new ballpark, it, it, it's similar. But I think the unique thing now is all the teams stay downtown. The ballpark's downtown. You have an atmosphere now. You, you run into you know maybe the guy from Vandy at the, the breakfast place, and everybody's kind of intertwining with each other. So I think that experience in itself is pretty neat. But the, the passion's always been there. I don't know if it's really changed much over the last 20 years because if you're going to go to Omaha and you're going to be a part of the College World Series, you certainly love the game. So much is made about the stadium itself and the ways that it affects the teams that play because the dimensions. For years, no one could get a ball out of there. Then they brought the fences in a little bit. From what you've seen, what does this Florida team need to do as far as changing the way they play to best fit this ballpark? Well, I think last year they were a little bit more of a powerful team, and we saw that. Pete hit the two longest home runs in TD Ameritrade history, and Bader goes home run. You don't have some of those guys anymore. I just I remember even from the Brian Johnson and Preston Tucker days, that those guys would absolutely just smoke balls, and you think they're out, and it's very difficult to do. So I think Sully even understood that. So you have to be a doubles team, and I and I remember because it was Andy Lopez, my old coach, that Arizona team that won that year in 2012. They weren't a powerful team, but they played in a big ballpark. That was their home ballpark, so they were a gap-to-gap team and inevitably won them a championship. So I think for this team and the way these guys have now competed over the last couple of weeks, there's certainly the home runs, which you're going to get in the summer at McKeithen Stadium. The ball flies out of the ballpark. But you also saw the approach really change in the last two games of the Super Regional. Guys were looking towards right field. They, they were understanding, okay, maybe the wind's blowing in a little bit. I'm I'm not going to be able to hit one out here. So guess what? I'm going to just take what they give me, and I'm going to have that nice approach at the plate. And if the Gators can do that, I think they have a, a very good chance of being successful because it, it's very difficult to hit home runs there. Although this postseason, there's been about 55 more homers than the last postseason, so maybe the balls are a little bit different, maybe the bats are a little bit different, and we'll see if that continues to, to be the case at this big ballpark. Every few years you see a team make that first trip to Omaha, and you see the excitement, the enthusiasm, but then they tend to go there and not have a lot of success. So how much of an advantage is it to Florida that they not only have been there recently, but almost everybody on this team was just there last year, as opposed to their first-round opponent, Coastal Carolina? They haven't been there before. Yeah, I think it means something. But again, I always talk about momentum being the next day's starting pitcher. And you would have thought that with Florida State coming to Gainesville. A guy goes out and pitches really well, and all of a sudden they look like the best team. But then the next two days, Florida gets good starting pitching, or at least good relief pitching with Dane Dunning, and all of a sudden now you're there. So certainly that big stage, I think, will affect you a little bit, but you get to hit on the field. You get to experience things on Friday, and then you go into those first games. So, to me, you have to have the mentality of, hey, it's it, it's the old Hoosier line. Remember, he, he measures out the court, and it's, it's the 10 feet. So, it's 60 feet, 6 inches. Yeah, there's a bunch of people yelling and screaming, but it's it's not a rowdy crowd, because it's not like you're going into hostile LSU for Coastal Carolina. You're going to have a lot of guys, sometimes as the underdog, actually rooting for you. So, you, you get the benefit of the crowd. So, I, I think Coastal's a team that plays in, in a really small 
small ballpark, and that might be the key to this for Florida. So maybe it's a team that leads the country in home runs, so maybe now they're a team that thinks they can do that at this ballpark, and maybe not knowing the ballpark affects them a little bit, but there are a lot of veterans on that club, so I don't know if that's going to rattle them too much. But to your question, on the other side for the Gators, they understand what that ballpark plays like. They understand what the atmosphere is going to be like. And I think losing the way they did to Virginia a couple of times by one run when they probably had the best team out there is really putting a chip on their shoulder, and you can really sense that. Once the postseason started at the SEC tournament, there's been a new mentality for these guys, and I think you have to have the right kind of mentality. You have to, to give up some of the, the individual accolades to, to help a team, and you've really seen that over these guys the last few weeks. One guy who's been unbelievably locked in is Pete Alonzo, and no one's really sure what he'd be able to do coming back from injury, missing three weeks, and then he comes in and just is, is knocking the cover off the ball. What have you seen out of him? Because you've seen him play for a long time now. What's been the key here in the, in the postseason? I think he's really lessened things, made it more simplistic, if, if that's a good way to say it. You saw Pete at the beginning of the year, and he was getting in the box. He was digging his right foot in, and he was digging his left foot in, and he was adjusting his batting gloves, and he was doing this really weird, wacky thing, taking pitches. And all of a sudden, when he came back from the injury, he, he just he gets in there and hits. And he's such a strong hitter that I think that's paying off for him. He's not thinking about, oh my gosh, what am I going to get on this pitch? He just threw me a breaking ball. And he's not guessing. He's just reacting. And he's so strong, even his outs are, are hard outs. And we talk about going the approach of the other way, and, and that's what was also special. For one at bat, he hits a ball that goes 400 feet, and then his next at bat, he takes an 0-2 breaking ball and hits it through the right side to get a base hit. So his approach at the plate has been absolutely fantastic, and I think you got to give him a lot of credit. It's been pretty special to see what he's been able to do. Now that the draft has come and gone, this is obviously the last ride for a lot of different guys. We saw that motion from Buddy Reed out in center field in the ninth inning of the game against Florida State what's going to need to happen for all these guys to come together and get to that ultimate goal of getting Florida its first national championship in baseball? It's, again, going away from the, the individual accolades. It's it's Logan Shore trying to understand and, and show the passion that he did against Florida State and saying, man, this could be the last game that I ever play in a Gator uniform. I, I don't want it to end. And it would be Alex Fajardo continuing to improve on what he's been able to do. And, and he's such a great emotional guy. It's, it's A.J. Puck saying, you know, hey, Kevin O'Sullivan in this Florida Gator baseball baseball program turned me into a first round pick when I came on to, to school I could barely throw strikes so it's now rewarding not only Sully and, and the staff but the fans that have shown up for three years and, and supported them and just uh, the response that those guys have gotten and in talking to Buddy Reed after the game he sort of hinted upon some of those things he, he looked back and he I think understood what the three years at Florida have done to him and I think he wants to give back and I think if all these guys accept that and they understand it then they've got a chance to, to do something pretty special. And, and it's also about having fun. You know, I, I think Kevin O'Sullivan, when he first got there, he was so into it and had to do everything, and, and it was all just, you know, everything is so hard. But I, I think you'll see a different approach for these guys. I think he's going to show up, and, and he's going to allow these guys to enjoy it because this season was really, really hard. When you think about all the expectations that were involved, it's really tough to live up to a lot of those expectations. But th- this team won more regular season games than anyone in school history. They, they've got 52 now so if they get even one more in Omaha they tie the best record in school history so you've got a chance to accomplish something special and I think all these guys understand that too and you just you like the way they bounce back and that was evident in the Super Regional there was only three games all year where where they lost back-to-back games so it's a team that once they fail they bounce back very nicely and that shows you a really nice mentality. And that's going to do it for this week's show. Don't forget to check out the Gators' College World Series opener against Coastal Carolina on Sunday night at 8 
And remember that we'll keep following their progress right here on Gator Tales, so don't miss an episode. Until next time, I'm Adam Schick, and I'll see you in Omaha.